So today is the leave taking of the Feast of the Meeting. And uh, also, as we just heard uh, from, uh, as you can figure out from the gospel reading, the beginning of the Lenten Triodion. We're getting ready, we're getting ready for Lent. Um, and given that, I wanted to speak to you about the importance of entrances and about seven entrances. I don't think this will result in a seven-point sermon, so bear with me. I don't think it'll be hopefully not quite that long, uh, as it might sound. But but um, because we've been reading Father Alexander Schmemann's uh, books on the liturgy. He's a great uh, uh, liturgical theologian. Uh, uh, and uh, in both of the books on the liturgy that we've been reading... Uh, for the life of the world, and now the Eucharist, he begins with the entrance. The entrance is important. You know, any anybody who watches a movie or a dramatic performance knows the importance of the entrance. Uh, especially if you're a villain, you want a really grand entrance. Uh, 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 hopefully, we're not the villains, but but the um, but entering is important, and and so the uh, and so when Father Schmemann is talking about the liturgy, he actually starts with us leaving our homes and us assembling together, entering into the assembly of the people of God. And there's a number of different ways to do it. As I say, we've just celebrated the, the meeting uh, of uh, the presentation of Christ in the temple. And there we have... Uh, the Most Holy Mother of God and her husband, Joseph, entering into the temple with the Christ child. And each of their entrances is slightly different. All are significant, all are important. The fact that they're there is important. But, but um, in the case of Mary, she's entering after a period of long anticipation. She's fulfilled the days that she has to wait according to the Mosaic law, uh, and in which she is not, uh, uh, she does not come into the temple, uh, and and she is now having fulfilled those, entering into the temple with her firstborn son, in order to, in order to offer him back to the Lord, uh, or rather to offer an offering to redeem him, as, as, as the law said, uh, because according to the law, in memory of the, the, that very first Passover by which the Jews were delivered out of Egypt, uh, the, the, the first male that opens the womb was considered holy to God, and the, there was a, a kind of redemption price that was paid. In this case, because they're, they're poor, they, 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 they're, they're, their redemption price was two turtle doves. Uh, that was the sacrifice that they had come to offer. And so Mary is entering after, uh, into the temple after this period of uh, long anticipation, of waiting, uh, of, of preparation. And, and uh, whereas Joseph is just entering in kind of quiet support. One, one of the things that always strikes me as interesting about Joseph is that we know so little about him. There's so little in the scriptures about Joseph. And yet he was a significant and important source of comfort, encouragement, support 
to Mary, whom he took as his wife, according to the word of the angel, and did not know her. Uh, and, and, so, uh, and so he's always there in the background, and he's happy to be in the background. Uh, he's, he's, not, he's, he's, he's not interested in taking center stage, uh, but he's there in this scene, entering into the temple himself, uh, uh, and, and, and there supporting his wife Mary, and po- quite possibly holding his uh, newborn son, the, the, Jesus. Jesus here is a baby. His entrance is, in some respect, entirely involuntary. He was being carried into the temple. And I I think we shouldn't neglect the importance of this kind of entrance, too. Because uh, there's a fair number of kids here whose parents have, for many years, taken them to church. You don't get to choose. Uh, and, And you're in good company, if that describes you. Because Jesus also didn't get to choose as he was being brought into the temple by his parents. Uh, and, and that, too, is an important ent- uh, form of entrance. It's a different one. Uh, Mary's was, of course, and, and Joseph's was, but were both voluntary. They were done in obedience to the law. Jesus was just carried in. Uh, and, but being in that place... Being in that, at, at that, at that, in that space and time was significant for him, was life-changing and life-altering for him. It was, as, as it is for all of us who, you know, myself included, my parents took me to church. And that was, that environment changed me, taught me enabled me to live in a way that I might not have been able to live had I not had that environment. And then, of course, we have Simeon, the elder, who takes Jesus into his arms, and it says that his entrance was prompted by the Holy Spirit. So here we have yet another kind of entrance. He, he's, he, he, he's moved by the Holy Spirit of God to go to the temple on this day. And it just so happens that as he enters the temple, he realizes that there's the Christ child being brought in. And he takes him from his parents and holds him in his arms and says, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared before the face of all people, a light to enlighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And then he, he speaks at, at, some, at some length about what uh, how this child, the Christ child, Jesus, was going to be the uh, was going to uh, um, be the savior of his people, and that there would be suffering involved. He says to Mary, "A sword will pierce your heart also." And as he's speaking, another person comes up. Her entrance into the temple is quite different. Uh, this is the prophetess Anna, because her entrance into the temple was actually long ago. She doesn't leave the temple. She's there all the time, praying, fasting, 
and, and, and just being there in the presence of God. And she too speaks with Simeon of all that this child will manifest to the people of God. And then, of course, we come to the parable that we've just heard. Two more entrances. On the one hand, you have the Pharisee. He enters into the temple of God with the worst possible reasons, for the worst possible reasons. He's entering into the temple of God to show off, to show everybody just how holy he is. Uh, he, he, he's, he, he lifts up his hands in prayer, which of course is not as show-offy as, 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 as one might think. This is, what, this is the posture of prayer in the ancient world. You stand and you lift your hands to pray. Uh, um, but it's his prayer that reveals his heart. Lord, he says, I thank you that I am not like other men. And that's the problem right there. He goes on to, you know, talk about adulterers and, and, and extortioners and various other horrible people, and especially not like this tax collector over here, uh, who's like a traitor to his people. Uh, so, so, yeah, it, it, gets, it gets specific. But the, the, the general problem here is that he doesn't consider himself like other men. He's apart from all the other people. He's good, and most of the other people if not all, are bad. And finally, we have the hardest entrance. The entrance of the tax collector. Someone who, if even though he was probably a Jew, well, was, he was a Jew, uh, and therefore, by virtue of that, a member of the people of God, he had more or less cut himself off from and been cut off from all of the people of God. By his choice of profession, he was collecting taxes for the hated Romans. Uh, by his, his choice of lifestyle, uh, because the tax collectors generally did uh, stuff that nobody else no other Jew would consider acceptable, uh, and 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 he enters. It must have been hard for him to enter, but he enters with humility. Doesn't he stands far off? Doesn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. He's bowed down. And he simply says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So here we have seven entrances, each of them quite different. What are the effects of these entrances? Jesus makes pretty clear the publican and the Pharisee. He, tells, he says to his audience, I tell you, the last man... <laughs> The tax collector, he went home justified. The Pharisee didn't. Joseph and Mary, uh, the one entering after a period of long preparation, the other entering just, just as quietly as per usual as a support, they, the result of their entrance is that they marvel. 
they come into the presence of God with their child, with their son, and it's what is what God is going to do, what God is doing, is revealed to them. And they begin to see the hand of God at work in their lives and in the world around them. The Christ child, Jesus, as he enters, is revealed for who he is. Simeon, as he enters in response to the Holy Spirit, is enabled to depart this life in peace. His purpose in life has been fulfilled. He's seen the salvation of God as he has prepared it for his people. We're not told what happens to Anna afterwards. One, one imagines she continues in the temple, just as she always has, praying. But now, knowing that God is, again, in a new way, having had revealed to her the, the fact that God is at work, And all of these entrances are, on some level, at some point in time, our entrances. There are times when it's very difficult for us, for whatever reason, because it's the first time, because there's sin in our lives, because we've done something that, that we feel has cut us off from God or from the people of God, there's times when it's very difficult for us to enter into the temple of God. But we need to enter. There's times when we come for the wrong reasons. And we go home having gotten nothing out of the, th out of the service. There are times when we enter when we, it's, there's been an interruption for some reason. And, for, and there's been a long anticipation. And there are times when we enter simply quietly, like Joseph. Just there to support, to help. Or even times, especially early in our life, when we're just brought. We don't really have a choice in the matter. Or moved by the Holy Spirit. Or, God willing, if we live out our lives in holiness, there is a sense in which we can even be, like Anna, continually in the temple of God, continually in the presence of God. All of these are entrances that can and sometimes do characterize us as we come into the presence of God. But what is common to all, to, to all of those entrances, except one, is that we enter into the presence of God. That is what changes us. That is what 
transforms our experience not only of this service here and now, but of the world around us. We leave realizing that God is at work. We leave realizing that God's mercy is immeasurable. We leave refreshed and enabled to be who we were made to be. We leave with the knowledge that we are not alone. We can sabotage it, like the Pharisee, but even the Pharisee, there is one thing that his entrance has in common with the others. He too is coming into the presence of God. He's misusing the presence of God, but he actually has the opportunity there presented to him that the tax collector had. He too can realize the folly of his words. He too can realize that he is like everybody else, connected with everybody else, messed up like everybody else, in need of God's help and assistance like everybody else. And he has that presented to him by the very environment that he has entered, by the very presence of the tax collector over there. All he has to do is acknowledge that he too is connected with all of these people, including the tax collector. And if he recognizes that, then he too can experience the presence of God, the transforming and revelatory work of God as we see him at work here in the lives of those around us, in us. We see his mercy, his goodness, his forgiveness, his love. And this is what changes everything, is changing everything. Because Christ, God, is in our midst. The glory of God the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit.